2: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 3-0-Take, where we talk all things Major League Baseball. Here's Kyle Corwin and Nate Reyes. It all starts right now.
0: Welcome back to the 3-0-Take presented by Big League Chew. This is episode 321. I'll be your host, Kyle Corwin, and I'm here with my co-host, Nate Reyes. Nate. Good day, good people. How are we doing? Two games deep. I know. I you know give, no, you know what? Let, let's just let's just get into it. Give me give me one sec here. Let, let's just play this back real quick. Honestly, I think the Phillies come out take game one, and I get I I would give I do too. game two. I like I, that. I really like their odds against Verlander after hearing mm. or reading more about his uh, World Series woes. How about that i mean look at that. Look, casual baseball you call us casuals all you want i mean ah, li- bob we've been Suck laying, it, bob we've been laying this out really since day one you've just been laying out what's gonna happen well i mean some more than the others i, I would i would <laughs> add but, but one of us one of us has had it one of us the, clearly the knows way. what we're
1: talking about uh, whether
0: it's me it's, uh, at certain points, whether it's you with certain calls, We about trade things. off.
1: We're never on at, at the same point. It's just, we're, you know, that's what a good team does. We, right? just pick, we pick each, each other, other up.
0: But <laughs> at the end of the day, one of us is going to have the right call. And yeah, eventually. I mean, two games deep, we nailed it. So I agree. how do you feel?
1: Uh, I feel good. I feel good. Good games. Um, Look, I think we just, we kind of talked about how like the Phillies, um, they, they don't have any quit. They don't have any quit. You know what I'm saying? Like they, they get punched in the mouth. They're expecting to get punched in the mouth. You know what I mean? They're not surprised. And they, they just, they, I, I we talked about this on the last episode. They've been on, they've been in, in hostile environments. You know they've they've been in in they've been underdogs the whole time. It's just I don't know. It feels it just all feels right. It all feels good. Everything's going Philly's way, and e- even in the loss for Game Two, it just I feel good about our predictions.
0: They didn't roll over, yeah, at in all. Game Two. And you know that I was thinking I was thinking about this watching Game Two last night. The thing that I I think that I'm so attracted to about the Phillies is that and we've all been here. We've all regardless what fan what team we follow, like what kind of fan we are, we've been in a situation where there's an important moment in the game that we're watching. And this could be a random Thursday in May. I don't care what game it is, but there will be a point in the game where we're watching and we're going Man, the odds of of this happening, there's runners on first and second. We could really use a three-run bomb here. Heck, we could even use a two-run double off the wall. Mm -hmm. The odds of it happening are very slim, and that's usually how it plays out. It's like a pop-up in foul territory down the third baseline. But with the Phillies, I swear it's like, man, we could really use an extra base hit right here to set things up, or we could really use an extra base hit to bring in a guy. And for some reason— For the postseason, at the very least, I feel like more times than not, they're coming through in these situations. Again, even in the loss, we're seeing a team that's not rolling over. We're seeing a team that is taking the environment in Houston in stride, which I, I, I may be the minority here. I didn't think Houston's crowd was all that impressive these first two games. I... I've seen. I've, pre- I've never really felt that way. Pre- well, previous postseason, and I'll give him credit. Previous postseasons, I feel like that place has come unglued. But these first two games, I don't know if it was just because there was this expectation. I don't know if Kyle Tucker's comments before the World Series started playing in the seed in their head, where it's like, okay, this this will be a quick four gamer, and we'll we'll get our ring and get out of here. I don't know if right. that played any role into it. But I just mm. I wasn't all that impressed by what I saw from the from the Houston crowd. There was no as silly as it is there was no unison for the most part with their rally towels which again not a huge deal but it, it you can use that as a little bit of a gauge of where they're at uh, as a collective group i just i wasn't all that impressed but with the energy that they did bring i think Philly took it in stride and like we said last episode getting into Houston with us or getting out of Houston with a split and heading back to Philly Super for ideal. three straight games Super you're, ideal. You're sitting golden if you're Philly.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, is it just me or did you notice a little bit of pressure kind of getting to both teams defensively? Like there were some really routine mistakes. Yep, yep. You know what I mean? Like routine, routine ground balls um, that just you know routine scenarios. Um, you saw the 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 double play opportunity for for Pena up the middle, and and you obviously everyone's seen the video of. Altuve just not on the bag, kind of crouching down, ready to see the throw to go to first over his head, right? Um, you saw that muffed play up the line by Guriel at first late in, in game two. Um, even even the uh the fly ball that was in center field with like one out, and your Don Alvarez was on second, it was like a routine fly ball. It wasn't even deep.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And you didn't see much momentum. You didn't really see Marsh get behind the ball and, like, expect Jordan to go to third. And it was just kind of this, you know, short hop to boom that, you know, it is what it is. Now, you know, there's small things. But I think you can start to recognize that, look, the the conversation is that, you know, there's key players that don't really have necessarily deep postseason experience. Right? Pena is obviously a rookie. Um, they already saw that stat in the Phillies lineup, where Schwarber is pretty much the only one with with postseason experience for the most part. So it's just like that's. I think that's an ongoing narrative, but um, I'm curious to see how that tightens up. I think the series will get tighter, and games will get a little bit closer. Um, but you, it's just like even at game two, what was that a five two ball game, and you saw the last out. There was just a ground ball to second. They throw it to first. So you saw like this, like complete exhale from the Astros. That's a five-two ball game. Man on third, two outs, and you you feel like it just felt like the weight of a bases loaded, game tying possibility scenario, and it wasn't. So I think that pressure is is interesting. I'm gonna I'm curious to see how that develops throughout the the rest of the series. I'm curious to see if defense starts to tighten up a little bit. Um and and you're just you're a little mo- a little more tapped in defensively you know
0: yeah and I, uh, I, on some of these mental mistakes I almost I'm tempted to give these guys the benefit of the doubt because like you mentioned the Altuve thing I think anybody in Altuve's spot on that ball I don't up think, the middle yeah. I think I everybody's turning you. over their shoulder to watch the ball go to first I don't I, I think not that I'm necessarily pinning it on Pena. Cause like he, I see what he's trying to do there, but it's it's really mm-hmm. like a, a no win situation for both of them. And then like, yeah, with, perfectly with, placed ground ball there. Yeah, like with Marsh and center. What are we taught in baseball? You never make the third out at third. You've got a yeah. a, a bigger guy in Jordan at second base. There's just right. a lot of factors that in that in right. that moment, as you're camping under the ball, you're going. He's not. There's going to be no advancement here. And sure enough, yeah, Jordan takes advantage. And credit to Jordan those those risks that you take those oftentimes end up being the things that put you over the edge in these games Mm -hmm. and if you do enough of those over multiple games that ends up more times than not being the thing that helps you win the whole thing yeah before we get too deep
1: it's it seems minute but it's like this is something to where you see teams the teams that have been eliminated you see teams that are in these types of plays these types of scenarios and I know it's that mental exhaustion of you know this season, right? You get to the end of the season and you're just, you've been tapped in all year, and it's it's hard to continue to be tapped in. So you you have to recognize that like there is a, a physical and mental exhaustion with these players at this point in the season. But you got nothing. You got mean, nothing to, to hold you down here. Like you gotta have it.
0: Game one, uh, post game, Cassianos was literally talked about. It. He's like, yeah. I'll be honest with you, it's I'm paraphrasing, but he's like it, it's hard to keep focused during one sixty two, like at night right. in and night out. But he's like post the postseason, he said there's there's no reason as to why you're just not locked in or why you shouldn't mm-hmm. be locked in always. He's he's basically just saying it's it's impossible not to be because every right. pitch counts and these things. And I think even Smoltz was saying, uh I want to say it was during the game two broadcast where he was talking about the and I completely agree with what he was saying how he was saying in the postseason that a guy on first base, he may have said first and second as opposed to like bases loaded, but he was basically just like one guy on is a rally in the postseason. You can make yeah, like right. that. That is a huge difference as opposed to some random Thursday in May. Like you get a guy on in the in the postseason on first base and you've already got something cooking because we see right. how quickly things. Last night to start off game two was a perfect example it to see how quickly things can depend upon which side of the ball you're on, get out of control or manifest yeah. in a good way. So just a lot of things at play here, a lot more at stake. Uh, but before we get too deep into talking about the first two games, I want to get through these voicemails real quick. So I believe this first one, if I recall, was actually tr- uh, sent to us either during or immediately after last episode. So it might be slightly dated, but still wanted to get it in there. Let's see what we got. It's coming. Come on. Now our soundboard. Why is our soundboard acting up again? (laughs) We're really going to do this again?
1: All right, folks. That's crazy. We just tested it. We're just making all the the sounds right before.
0: All right, here we go. Guess we'll have to figure out the why why it's not working. Trash. Need to figure this out. This is really getting to me. All right, here we go. Let's just go over the phone here.
2: Hey, guys. I really hope this is still the voicemail, the number on the Instagram account, but your voicemail is no longer working, in case you didn't know that. Uh, but anyway... Um, Kyle said basically that, you know, he loves the World Series matchup, but he also hates it. That's exactly how I feel. That's why I like listening to you guys. Like, I want to see the Phillies succeed, but more so I want to see Bryce Harper succeed. But I cannot stand Phillies fans. I think they're insufferable. And I also want to see Dusty Baker succeed, but I really don't want Houston to succeed. So. Um, i'm really torn right now and i'm just gonna like sit and watch this world series and feel the pain of not having my team playing and i guess be happy for individuals but really neither team so that's kind of kind of where i'm at with this world series matchup it's a weird one anyway thanks guys bye i
1: get it
0: I definitely understand it. And the fact that he's locked in though, that's the thing. And that's what we've been saying this whole time is like, the sooner you can come to terms with the fact that your team's not in it and you can just Mm -hmm. sit back and maybe pick out a few storylines, a few individuals you want to follow. It makes it enjoyable, even if you don't have a a dog in the fight. And in a way it's, it's a lot less stressful that way. And right. You're able to make the most of it in that regard, but completely agree. Uh, And I don't know about the Phillies fans being insufferable. I mean, I think you you need to look no further in the within the same division to find a rather insufferable fan base. One of which we've talked about. Actually, there's multiple insufferable fan bases in that division. <laughs> uh, but I mean, I guess to each their own. If you want to lump the Phillies into the Phillies fans into there, I, I guess that's fine. Yeah, I mean that. I think that's
1: that's widely known. They can be they can be brutal at times for sure across all sports. Well, that's what you want, you know what I mean. If you're playing for if you're playing for that city, that's what you want. When it comes down to it,
0: so. I mean they're what they're they're undefeated at home, the Phillies in, in the postseason. So tell me, let cause is all you want. We we spent probably more time talking about the Phillies fan base at times mm-hmm. than we did the actual games that were. Taking place on the actual yeah. field, but there yeah, was no good... one liked
1: my comments about what I said about Philly fans versus Padre oh they fans. they ate you up yeah yeah they and ate it's you like, up on it's... that look I we've we've seen a postseason where it hasn't necessarily been a factor for any other city right we've we've watched away teams come in and just be fine this is the only team so far that you haven't seen that's that's the case. You know what I mean? It makes a difference. And when you have that kind of fan base, you love to play for them and you hate to play against them. But I told you, Philly is different. They're just different. You can, you can cheer as loud as you want in some of those other places, but they're just different. the The, the blue-collar live-and-die-for-my-sports kind of mentality... Philadelphia could you could argue that it's the heart of it, you know, heart. You could argue that that is where it stems from. So you can hate me all you want, but so far I wasn't lying to you.
0: I knew you were right because a lot of the comments were asking about how the Yankees were doing, and so I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, if this is what we're, if this is yeah, what we're that's what we got to fall back to, yeah, yeah, we're 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 hitting the right nerve. All right, voicemail number two. <laughs> Hey, fellas,
1: AJ Torres from Danbury, Connecticut. The man. As
3: far as my Yankees, I'm still going over notes, and I don't feel like cursing up a storm. But don't worry, when the offseason comes around, I'll give you my real thoughts of how I really feel. But the one thing I wanted to mention right here is this bad situation, and I thought that because of you guys. So before you get into that, Am I the only one thinking that how are you going to grandfather in a bat? But if you look at everything else, there's so many things that we could not use today that I saw growing up. And I'm only 28 years old. When they banned greenies, the old heads were pissed. Why? Because they weren't hitting the balls like they used to. Now, I'm not sure how much this banned bat, how much of a difference it is, but Nate, there was a while ago where you were going, you know what, I'm pretty sure these balls that Albert Pujols is hidden, that they're juiced. And I thought about it, and I was kind of on board with it. But this whole bat thing where it's banned for one guy, but because he's been using this same bat for well, let's see, two thousand ten. So he's been using it on and off for twelve seasons. Does something just sound not right or is it just me? Wanna know your thoughts on this one? late and deep. Take it easy, fellas. All
0: right, we're we're definitely gonna cover the bat thing. Uh but with that being game two news, uh, let's just let's hold off on that for just a minute. Um, game one, you may or may not know where I'm going to go right off the bat, but Bryce Harper was in the cleanup spot.
1: Yeah. I noticed that to start
0: this series and I believe was in the cleanup spot in game two. In fact, yes, Mm -hmm. he wasn't in the cleanup spot in game two. I'm not gonna say that Philly Rob listens to the pod, but I'm not I not am, gonna, I'm say gonna say it <laughs> that he listens <laughs> to the pod because we, you want to talk about segments that we maybe talked about at length for too long. Yeah, that might probably probably Bryce yeah. Harper being in the four spot. But you even said like, well, why are we talking? Like people probably asking like, well, why are you guys talking about Bryce Harper being in the four spot as such a uh, an important topic? Well, we we explained we laid it all out there. We said, why why fix it if it isn't broken? Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, I, I there may have been a report on it, why he ended up coming out in the four spot. But I'm wondering if if there was no research done on that or kind of poking around as to why that would be. I wonder if maybe just internally they were like, yeah, you know, like, is there any sense in... in moving it around if it's been working for us. Cause I was genuinely surprised. I was fully expecting him to come out there. But then game one, I see the camera pan out and it's showing the whole park. And I'm looking down and uh it was like two three up and I look down on, on the on deck circle and I'm like, well that's not Bryce Harper, so he must be hitting mm-hmm. fourth. He's either he's either been scratched from the lineup or he's hitting right. fourth and he comes out there and they get a win he had a couple couple base knocks I mean I don't know what to tell you mojo like we said mojo it's a real thing it's a real thing
1: yeah and i I think there's like I think every fan base feels this at certain points throughout the season there there's an ongoing battle between um gut feel and analytics. And I don't know what side was associated with with which. You know what I mean? I don't know if analytics was saying put Bryce Harper in the three-hole or if that was gut feel. I don't know who won that battle. Um. I I, I just love the fact... Say what you will about the Astros. I, I love the fact that we have two managers that 100% are dialed into their clubhouse. They are a hundred percent dialed in to what these guys need, and I'd like to think that Philly Rob was the one that made that final call of saying we're not going to switch it. I'd like to think that's the case. I don't know if we'll ever know.
0: I I thought of you uh, game. Actually, I mean they kept him in the spot, but with Altuve when they were going through the lineup. And I think they were talking to uh, Verducci as the game was getting going, and they were they were running through the lineup, and he was like, "Jose Altuve, they're sticking with him in the lineup spot. This is their man. This is the guy that they want at the top of the lineup." And I'm like, "We literally just got done talking about this. How? Mm-hmm. there yes, there there are limits. Like there there's certainly a threshold for where it's like, all right, we need to help this guy out. Maybe get him mm-hmm. get him some looks at some different pitches. Maybe so, get him some." looks at some more fastballs, maybe push him down a yeah. lineup. He doesn't necessarily need to be leading us off. But with a veteran like Altuve, who's been here before and has done it before, I I'm a huge fan. And like I said, we talked about this. I'm a huge fan of Dusty doing what he did by keeping his guy at the top. And it's paid off. Like he went yeah. uh he he had three hits in game two, uh had a hit in game one. So he's already matching his total hit numbers from basically like the entire postseason just in his first mm-hmm. couple games and I think there's something to be said for for sticking it out with a guy like that maybe again different scenario if you're, if you're talking about like a rookie or something maybe if Pena's is struggling or something but Altuve yeah if you're sticking it out with your guy it, a lot of times they'll they'll figure it out if they've been around yeah. the game long enough they'll figure it out and they'll they'll get you to where you need to go and that's what Altuve has been doing
1: yeah, good point. And also I, I think when you look at like Dusty just managing over decades, that that has been up until I don't know, the last five or six years, that he's your prototypical leadoff guy. Right. He's he's just he fits the mold of what we've all known for baseball growing up is that it's that it's that trendsetter, right? It's that spark plug. That's what I need at the top of the lineup. Um I think it'd be a different scenario if it was like not that it would ever happen, but if you're Don. Was it, you know, at a position where it's, you know, a leadoff DH spot, he's slumping a little bit. And it's like, you know what? I'm Dusty Baker. I'm used to different types of leadoff hitters. I know analytics are saying this guy, you know, is a good leadoff hitter, but I'm going to change things up. That's not the case. Jose Altuve is a through and through leadoff hitter. He's been that way his entire career. The only reason this is somewhat of a conversation is because. We now have analytics introduced, and in where it's like you know, you can start adjusting and altering the way you think about a leadoff hitter, i.e., Kyle Schwarber on the other side. You know what I mean? Um, so, props. And it's just again, it's it's two managers. I, I love Rob Thompson. The fact that he has an opportunity, and he's and he's running with it. I love that he's gotten an extension. I love that the guys are backing you know backing him up. And it's just. It's two guys that have a finger on the pulse and they truly believe in their guys. And, and that's what you have to have in a manager, especially at this time of the year.
0: Well, I think uh, one guy that Dusty Baker is not going to have any problem penciling in for the rest of the series is Kyle Tucker. Game one, certainly backing up the talk. He, uh, I don't think we talked about it last episode because I think it came out after the fact but he had that quote where he was talking about i'll just pull it up i don't want to misquote here but I, I couldn't tell i don't know enough about kyle tucker to know if this was just like a tongue-in-cheek kind of thing if he's just kind of like a like a on the goofier end um but he had the quote where he said uh hope and this is prior to game one he said hopefully we just win it in four and we make it as easy as possible for us, but I mean, they're a really good team. So it might go a little longer. We're just hoping to get it out of the way early. So like, I get what you're saying. And I watched the video cause I, stuff like this. I don't want to, I don't want to put it out there without knowing kind of the context of it a little bit. And so I watched the video yeah. and I'm like, you could tell he wasn't trying to like present bulletin board material. He was, I, I really think just based on his tone, he was very much just, he was more so confident in his own team's ability. Mm-hmm. And he, you look at the quote, he he kind of gives a little credit. He's like, you know, they're a good team. It might go a, another or an extra game or two, but basically just saying, I have every confidence in the world that we'll be able to take care of business. And game one comes out and does absolutely everything he can to make sure that it's getting done in four. He it's. Uh, two bombs, a solo, and a three-run homer. Um, but that was those couple instances were moments where I had to tip my cap to the Houston fans there, where they were they were going off a little bit, and rightfully so because I we've talked about it before. I don't think Kyle Tucker gets talked about enough. No, and, not even not like, nearly enough. Not, the guy's a stud, yeah. and. The fact that he was the guy to come out and do it, especially after the quote, I think was pretty cool.
1: Yeah, and especially after you know, kind of having a down series against the Yankees. Um, but that's what we talked about before, right? Like, good lineups have their guys that are going to rotate, right? And and you kind of rode the your Don horse early in the postseason, and and then he's kind of cooled off, and now it's like, you know, Bregman was has been ridiculous the whole postseason, but who's who's going to also. You know, chip in. Um, this is what good teams have, this is what good teams do. I I didn't really take anything out of it, out of the comments. You know, it's just like you, you gotta be confident in your in your guys. And I think and you're and in yourself, right? It's like it's the same thing when like Mike Trout gets asked the question of like who's the top three dream team outfielders that you would choose. He chooses himself, right? And it's just you gotta have that inner confidence. And he came out and showed. Good for good for Kyle Tucker. I'm I don't not. Like
0: it. I'm not making this direct comp, but the guy that immediately comes to mind when I hear Kyle Tucker and I just see like his mannerisms is Cody Bellinger. Like he just gives me that. I don't know what it is. Okay. So that's yeah. why I didn't take that quote. Like I took with a grain of salt. I'm like this guy is just kind of. He seems a little bit aloof. I don't know if he is. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't. I don't yeah. follow the team nearly as much as or nearly as closely as Astros fans, but. He, I just, I don't think he meant anything personal by it, but I don't think so either. I'll let's say they came out and took game way. one bigger picture here. Uh, Justin Verlander's world series woes continue. Yeah. And he looked, yeah. he, he, he started off, Astros. he started off strong. He had like a no, I think it was like a no hitter through three or four Retired. Yeah. I think he. it was a 10 straight. He retired. So I'm thinking, okay, maybe this is the game where he, he kind of breaks out of it a little bit, but again, the the always fighting Phils. Mm-hmm. They didn't they didn't roll over, came back, made a game of it, knocked him out, and I don't think he got he didn't get tagged with the loss. Or no, he no. didn't he didn't get tagged with the loss, but still just not a good not a good finish for Verlander in game one.
1: Uh, and I—I I think I saw that the Astros are zero and six all time in Game Ones in the World Series. Um, yeah, dude, that's that's it's not a good look, and I don't, I don't want to say. I don't want to bring Kershaw into this, but I feel like there's always one guy that you gotta have to pick on. You know what I mean? That media just exposes. I don't think most of us knew that stat before the World Series. I don't think most of us really understood how bad he's been in the World Series. It's just this poorly timed narrative that comes about and you have to wonder if it gets in your noggin a little bit as professional as as Verlander is and as as clutch of a veteran that as he is. you gotta wonder if there's like this this narrative that's just it's hard to shake. It's hard to shake, and there could have been this split moment after that—that that, you know, a couple hot start innings where you're like, "All right, I finally shook the narrative. I'm good," and you breathe for a second, and sure enough, the you, know, you kind of man. let things up. So it's just, I, I don't, I don't like it, but I do like it. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm pulling for Phils, um, and it, it's not a knock on Verlander. But it also just proves the what we talked about early in the postseason is that, and it kind of stealing what you said about D-Row on, on MLB Central, you can't have the expectation that you're going to have your guys at the top of their game throughout the entire postseason. It's just not a thing. So I don't want to talk poorly about Verlander after what I can assume is going to be a Cy Young season We're just running out of gas a little bit. In the postseason, and and that's kind of what horses have to deal with, right? You're riding those guys all year long, so I don't know. Obviously, he's he's going to get another start, so it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting, and if if he if he has a poor start and the Astros lose. That's probably something that's gonna haunt him yeah, for we, a full year.
0: We need to we need to really be looking at lumping him into the David Price, Clayton Kershaw postseason mm-hmm. type conversations. Because you look you can be good. We've seen Kershaw, one of the best of our generation. Verlander, one of the best of our generation. But like Reality has to set in at some point, and we need yeah. to have these harder conversations where it's like these guys couldn't necessarily get it done when the when the team needed. And that, again, I'm not setting out to go after or I'm not setting out to go after Kershaw. Like I, I think they're right. fantastic at their craft, but these are the things that need to happen, and we need to stop maybe making Kershaw the pinata of the league or of the the postseason woes. Mm-hmm. And start maybe shifting our focus to a guy like Justin Verlander, who. Yeah. It's not just, it's not just like poor. It's, it's pretty bad. It is pretty bad. Like, yeah, the it's numbers, real bad. the numbers are not. I mean, the ERA, I think he now owns, it's now the worst in World Series history, right? With, I think, minimum 30 innings. Yeah. Like, that's, that's not good.
1: And it, that and that that conversation is so hard because it's like you have guys that it's it's weird because you can erase a bad regular season with an amazing postseason. You can you can happily get the forgiveness from fans if you show out and show up in the right scenario. It doesn't work the other way around. You know what I'm saying? If the Astros lose, they'd be like. And Verlander gets a Cy Young. You're like, okay, you didn't do it when it when it counted. You didn't do it when we needed it. You can't flip that script. That's something that's going to stay on him for a minute. I, I'm not rooting against the guy. He's a Hall of Famer. You want Hall of Famers to succeed, and you want you know those types of heroes to to show up in the in the clutch moments, but. Yeah. Not good. Um, curious to see how short his leash is for his next start.
0: And that's a that's a great point you bring up. Like Because this is the last taste we'll have before the offseason, before months of no baseball, if Verlander goes out, if, if the trend continues, and he goes out his next start, and that ends up... I mean, they're all pivotal games, but if he loses maybe not necessarily the final game of the series, but he loses maybe a pivotal game... Mm-hmm. the day before the the final game of the series or even loses the final game of the series depending upon how these next next few games go that's what's going to be left with these fans with for for the astros if they don't right. win the series what I he did the regular season young. it doesn't it's not yeah. gonna matter especially for a fan base like that who prides himself in only caring about world series titles despite only having 17 as of right now you can't you can't undo that. You can't flip the you can't flip the script because it's this and and nothing else. It's mm-hmm. it's this and then winter. You mm-hmm. can't you can't undo that. So, he's going to need I mean, it goes without saying, but he's going to need to figure out a way to keep his team in it in in whatever start he ends up having next, so 100%. Um we didn't even really talk about it, but JT Muto with the go-ahead home run top of the 10th, obviously, I mean, we're, we all saw this, but Yeah. Little nugget here from uh, ESPN. JT Real Muto is the first catcher with an extra inning World Series home run since Carlton Fist's walk off in Game Six of the 1975 World Series.
1: Also, the two run double, right? Didn't he get a two run double the at bat before? Yeah, he you know, yeah. The- two run
0: double. Boehm had a two run double. Uh, Kyle Schwarber was uh, Kyle Schwarber with the tacos. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, that would have not have been my uh, first pick. Certainly yeah. would not have been <laughs> th- my first pick. Yeah, um, Casiano saving the game in the ninth. I don't know if you you caught that. Saw that, was that huge.
1: I saw, did that was that not the same exact play he pulled off in Atlanta?
0: I mean, <laughs> I don't know. It was literally the same play. I don't know what's going on with with Philly as a whole. You all, the things that people criticize them for the most have been what's. Yeah. Carrying them carrying them through this postseason. Their yeah. bullpen and defensive highlights. Like people can say what they want about any team at any time, at any point in the year. But when it comes time for October, anything we talk about it all the time. I'm I'm sick of saying it, but anything can happen in the postseason. Mm-hmm. And if you in in April if I would have told you hey Philly's going to be in the World Series and the reason that they're going to make it as deep as they do is going to be because of their bullpen their defensive highlights and timely hitting you would have said yeah no you're on crack not at all So like here we are and and there's still people At this point in the postseason, talking about the format being an issue and how they're saying, well, Philly's Philly just got hot at the right time. Excuse me. Philly had to at least stay above water. It's not like Philly. It's not like they just let anybody and everybody in. It's not like Philly Mm -hmm. came in as a 40 win team to Mm -hmm. October and then decided, oh, let's flip the switch and get hot. Let's, let's get the boys rolling here. No, Philly had to stay above water. Sure, they didn't go out and win 100 games, but they did what they had to do to make it to the postseason. And then at yeah. that, every sport has a postseason. Every sport has a playoff. Like, if you're going to sit there and say, I pumped the brakes. I saw a comment. I don't know if I brought this up. I saw a comment where somebody said it should just be between the best team in the American League and the best team in the National League. And I said, "What kind of end to a season is that? What kind of what kind of proposal is that?
1: I had that for like sixty years.
0: The (laughs) postseason is what makes it what it is. Like I, I'm not even going to entertain that. But anyway, all that to say, I think the first the what we've seen through the first two games illustrates and demonstrates the fact that anything can happen in baseball. You have Houston Astros." What many would label as the favorites, they go up five nothing. Philly comes back, makes a game out of it, ends up stealing it in extra innings. Game two also Houston goes up five, five nothing. The Phillies aren't able to seal the deal. They're not able to make a game out of it necessarily, but they give you a little bit of fight. They and go down they, punching. They 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 do some things. They've done some things in both games. In Houston, to their credit as well. They've had they've had Uh, certain facets of their game that have shined brightly through these first two games, but Mm -hmm. it's just a perfect demonstration of the fact that anything can happen in October. And it's, it's in my opinion, shaping up to be a very entertaining rest of the series. And this, this goes back to my point that people were saying, well, Houston four, it's a lock. Like sure. Philly has gotten cute up to this point, but they're going to run into a, a brick wall with Houston. Well, they, they rolled into Houston and took the first game of the series. So we're already guaranteed five. I was talking with somebody in the comments about that today, already guaranteed five. Even if Houston runs a table, it wasn't four, and that was my entire point Mm -hmm. of saying that Philly is good right now. Houston's also good, but you have to let the series play out as it will, because anything can happen. Game two. I think just further evidence that anything can happen. Zach Wheeler, three straight doubles. I don't think anybody yeah. saw that coming. In fact, me neither. It's never happened in the world series because the Astros, I have a note here, the first team to start a world series game with three straight extra base hits.
1: Yeah. It is what it is, right? It's the same mentality. Like it, it's, it's the same thing. You can't, you can't play it on paper. You got to go out there and do it. And I would be—I sh- wouldn't be too stressed about Zach Wheeler. You're fine. It's all good. You know what I mean? These guys had a game plan, and they probably had a feeling that you were gonna—you were gonna alter some things and try to surprise them with stuff. And and they're good hitters. They're professional hitters. That's the way it goes. They were talking about He battled about that. through, and he had length. Like he still got length out of that game. And yeah. I think. I noticed that I, I've I've noticed that the leashes have gotten longer, and you almost like you race through the postseason as like I need this game no matter what, and then you feel like things have kind of slowed down for the World Series, and you watch you know Wheeler give up you know five eventually, and it's like he's still in the game, and I like that you you know what keep us in it, get back to what you feel like right. The last thing I want to do as a manager is is let that be the last taste in your mouth. You give up five through two or whatever and it's like you're out and that's what you're going to sit with for four or five days? No, dude. Show me the dog in you. Keep battling. And let that be the taste in your mouth. You know what? You didn't have it today, but you gave us length. You kept your team in the conversation. Yeah, offense didn't really get you back in it, but that's okay. Okay. And that's what you can take away. Great job. That's a pro right there.
0: Speaking of uh speaking of arms, I guess now would be the best time to address this whole Framber Valdez thing. Uh Uh, actually no, you know what? Before we do that. Let me say about Manscaped. Support for the three O take is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below the waist grooming. Their products are precision engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped performance package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Join over six million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with their exclusive with this exclusive offer just for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code 30 take. That's all caps. That's our social handle at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com with code 30 take. That's our social handle. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Uh go ahead and tell us about Big Cleach while you're at it. Big
1: League Chew, uh, Big League Chew, started from humble beginnings in the Portland Mavericks bullpen in 1977. For more than 40 years, the iconic pouches packed with shredded, flavorful bubble gum has become the number one shredded gum of athletes everywhere. Big League Chew has sold more than 900 million pouches, probably a billion thanks to you. Um, yeah, that threw me off. Can't do that. I can't go ad lib there. You go ad lib, you just, you lose, you lose the flow. You know what I'm saying? can't add a little bit you really can't head to big league channel social so head to big league Chew social media big channels at big league uh, chew on Twitter at big league chew gum on Instagram show off your big league bubbles you can also find a list of retailers who purchase any of their products directly from their
0: website at bigleaguechew.com. BOC big league chew uh Framber Valdez look I'm I'm just gonna balance the I'm tired of talking about it like I'm tired of I'm tired of the Twitter police. I'm tired of the, well, 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 what do we have here? Like, yes, we, <laughs> we've talked about this. We've all seen it. We all see what's going on. You're watching the same game. You don't have some secret subscription to different camera angles. We're all watching the Fox broadcast. We see the same exact thing. The only thing that you maybe. be see differently than some other fan is just maybe the frequency of of how how often something happens but in terms of the camera angles in terms of the glares that you're seeing the shininess the substance the 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 uh, the going to a glove versus going to a hand going to a neck going to your hair whatever it is the umpire going to one hand versus the other the umpire not checking at all we all see it we all see the same stuff I'm tired of talking about it. Whether or not they're cheating, that's another conversation. But this whole, like, got to police the broadcast, got to get the clip on Twitter. Well, 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 what do we have here? We all see it. You're not breaking any news. You're not doing any of that. We all see it. Now, Nate, let me ask you. what are your thoughts on on this very thing that we all saw at first because let me well let me preface by saying and say what you will about astro's fans what i heard from astro's fans is that this is something at least the mannerisms the 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 patterns that were on display last night are not something new for Framber. This is this is regular for him. This is routine for him. The the term in terms of the movements that he makes, in terms of the places that he goes in between pitches. I'm told, I don't know if it's 100% accurate, but I'm told that this is his his MO. So, I'll preface it by saying that. But in terms of maybe what you saw, what are your thoughts?
1: At first, I kind of think it's just like, you know, whatever. Pitchers, they get moisture off of their arms and hands. Like, like that's a normal thing. We've already discovered that you get a tackiness when you combine moisture with rosin. But after Twitter police kind of got on the scene, the new glove threw me a little bit of an interesting take there.
0: I will say that, yeah.
1: That's, you know, going from the brown and tan glove
0: to the all-black glove. What's that about? And there was, I will say, there was a considerable amount of wiping prior to going over to meet the umpire in between innings. I don't know if that was every inning or if that was just one particular inning where maybe things were a little... Worse than previous innings, I don't know, mm-hmm. but I I just don't know what to take away from it. And like I said,
1: there's it look, there's it. it I, I think we all need to understand the fact that if you play baseball, you try to get an edge, you try to get an edge, right? You stick your elbow out and try to get hit by a pitch, you uh, you get in the box and you erase that back line of chalk so you can get a little bit deeper. Right. You, you just, you do certain things to give you a little bit of an edge. I don't think this conversation happens if it's any other team. It's just this is what is going to follow you.
0: And this is, this is brought on by yourself. Like you, you brought this on yourself, Houston. Like I'm sorry. Sure. We can talk about it. At, at no, Ad nauseum, but... And, yes, we, I think you and I are both on the same page that, like, I think we've reached our, our limit in terms of just running the trash thing into the crown. But, at the end of the day, the only reason we're still talking about it, the only reason we're hyper-focused on incidents like mm. this and the Maldonado thing, which we'll touch on briefly before we wrap it up, is like these accusations just don't come up out of thin air. Like there have yeah, been instances, yeah, exactly. major instances over the last number of years where that these kinds of claims and questions are, are justified and warranted that it, it's just a reality. Mm-hmm. With that said, there is a tweet here from uh, John Johnson. Seems like a reasonable tweet. He says Valdez is a really good pitcher. However, switching gloves, changing cleats, rubbing palm, always wiping hands on hair pant- and pants as he leaves the mound. Strange things, uh, impossible not to notice, not saying anything, but asking what is going on. Seems mm-hmm. like a reasonable tweet. And I feel like yeah. that's where a lot of fans like you and I and, and others who aren't just chomping at the bit to find any little thing to accuse the, the Astros about, but it's like you said, it just raises the question, like like what's going on? Why is this happening?
1: I think the hair thing is is definitely a, a conversation that MLB is gonna have and and probably figure out over over the, the offseason. You see uh um Karen Cech with the uh with Cleveland does it after every pitch. Yep. Goes to his hair, goes back to the mound, flips you know, grabs some rosin, and then he does that flip. Right? he's flipping the baseball a couple times i i don't want to see umpires come out and run their fingers through guys hair i don't want umpires to have to be the ones that are that are figuring out if this is gel or sweat i think there's going to be some regulations that come similar to the way we grew up you couldn't you couldn't go fingers to the mouth when you were on the mound Oddly enough, you could do it as long as you left the mound, which is, I never understood, but that went away. If you did it, you had to wipe it off originally. Now that's just, they don't care. I'm curious to see if it, if there is like some type of elimination of going with your pitch hand to anything. Rubbing up the baseball is one thing, but yeah it's it's odd the hair thing is the one that really kind of gets me
0: look unless major league baseball can create can come together with the union and create an agreed upon substance this is always going to be an uphill battle for major league baseball you're never going to be ahead of the curve this is going to be the same same scenario as trying to keep drugs off the streets these dealers are going to find new ways. These people that create mm-hmm. drugs, people that deal drugs, they're always going to be one step ahead of you. You're going to be, as a person trying to prevent these things from happening, you're going to be reactionary. You're going to be responding to the things that happen. Because these guys on the mound, they're the, they're the smart ones. They know what works. They know what gives them an edge, legal or not. They know what they're able to create, what they're able to use, where they can go, how often they can use it. And they're going to figure out ways if you implement this rule or that rule, they're going to figure out ways around those. And they're always going to be one step ahead of you. So if you're the league and we've talked about this with the whole with the with the union and the, and the league being at odds over this and that and players calling out the league for for this and that, you're going to have to figure out something or else these conversations are going to yeah. continue. These accusations are going to continue to be made and you're never going to hear the end of it. That's just the reality of it. I am watching this video. I will say I'm watching this video again. I uh, watched it over and over last night, but he it's really he, getting in that palm. Yeah. He, it's And it's like a, it's a, it's like a cupping motion where yeah. you're clearly yeah. trying to get, you're trying to work something off right. of whatever it is that you've got there and it's off his glove hand which mm. that was a point of a conversation last night is that these umpires when they do check which I it's basically just touch pitch touch hand. yeah touch glove hand and they go on their way and it's really not even it's not even much of a check anymore it's like they just it's like a they yeah. they run it through and they're on their way so yeah. he's going to his glove hand w- trying to work something off at least that's what it looks like trying to work something off that that inner palm there like the, the fatty area of your palm underneath your thumb and then he he he's working it into the baseball and he I don't know. He does the same with the glove. He goes to the glove on the on the inside of the glove. So I don't know what the glove to make change of it. is
1: the reason I think I, I wouldn't have thought much of this until the glove change. The glove change is what really made me feel like you know what? That's not normal. It's not a normal thing. You see pitchers rub up baseballs all the time. You see pitchers touching their arms, touching their hairs. That's a normal thing. You don't see glove changes in the middle of a game. It's odd. Maybe it's a superstitious thing, right? You see guys that take the batting gloves off because they're over oh, for the last eight, right? Like that's a superstitious thing. Yeah, but if you're Frambo- mid-game and you're Dyson,
0: yeah there's no superstition to be had there he had yeah. no reason to change I think he finished yeah. with eight or nine K's was I think scoreless through his through his run right hmm. um yeah I I just don't know what to make of it and then on the flip side you got the Martin Maldonado situation look people were coming at me on on all platforms saying that I was just stretching I was trying to make something out of nothing. And I just want to I just want to run through what I posted because this for some reason got got blown out of proportion. I simply made a I made my my classic quote tweet graphic. I take the person's tweet, put it on an image, and then I provide a caption. The mm-hmm. post was from Mark Berman, who's with uh, Fox twenty six in Houston. He says, per Fox, Martin Maldonado used a bat last night. Albert Pujols sent him that MLB considers not within the rules. Remember that, not within the rules. It was grandfathered in for Pujols because he had been using it prior to 2010. So Martin back to using his bats. Okay, that was the quote. That was the tweet from Mark Berman. My caption, Houston Astros, Martin Maldonado used an illegal bat in game one of the World Series. That's all I said. Mm-hmm. That's all I said. V- mm-hmm. Factual information. You can you can dispute that till you're blue in the face. That's a fact. Literally says, Major League Baseball considers not within the rules. Let me ask you this. If you're not within the rules, where are you? Illegal. You're outside the rules. What is outside the <laughs> rules? Illegal. Yeah. What I said in the caption was fact. Martin Maldonado used an illegal bat in Game 1 of the World Series. I was just bringing that to light. I wasn't trying to make something out of nothing. I wasn't trying to... To get one on on the Astros, I wasn't trying to like build up a case and say, "Oh, look, they're cheating again." I simply brought to light the fact that Martín Maldonado used an illegal bat. My thoughts on the situation: it's a non-story. If you look into why why the bat uh, was being outlawed by Major League Baseball, it was because of a breakage issue. The the types of bats that uh, mm-hmm. Pujols was using, I believe in what i was reading was it was because it was a low density maple bat uh -hmm. that just had a a history they they saw i guess they they looked at the data and saw that that style that build of bat was just more prone to uh shattering as opposed to to breaking uh in more concise parts um so it was more, and, and I saw the report came out last night and said it was more of a, a safety issue than anything else. There was no performance advantage. Right. There was none of that. So all things considered, it's a non-story. I wasn't trying just want to, I'm just trying to clear myself here that I wasn't trying to like make a case for cheating. I was just bringing to light the fact that he used a bat. And it was interesting because when I did that, it created a, a platform and, and form for people to go back and forth. It trying to figure out like what made it illegal. Like why Mm -hmm. to explain to me the whole grandfathered thing, because a lot of people just didn't understand the story behind it. So if anything, I feel like it helped people, but you got those people in there that are just bitter about this and that saying, well, you're just trying to make something. (laughs) No, that's not what I was doing. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. That was, that was all I wanted (laughs) to say there.
1: Uh, whatever. I don't really care. Maldonado well, still doesn't really hit that well, so uh, going back to AJ's voicemail uh, about pool hosts, um why is why is this just now being brought up? You know what I mean. Why isn't this well known? Why didn't we know that his bat was grandfathered in, cheating or not? It's just an interesting conversation. And it's, and it's, it's why now, when you hear stuff about this kind of, you know, scandal, it's like, why now?
0: I feel like if, if you're Pujols, the only scenario, and I'm, I'm trying to give people the benefit of the doubt in this situation, but the only thing that I can think of is that Pujols just maybe in an, in an effort to, to help out Maldonado with, giving them some extra lumber or something, maybe just forgot in the process because you obviously, when, when major league baseball comes out and changes their regulations on bats, I would imagine that they would have to inform somebody like Albert Pujols saying Mm -hmm. you're using this bat, this model, this, this style that we've identified as something that can no longer be used in, in the game that we're playing moving forward. However, we're going to grandfather you in. And obviously, as we know to this point and, just up until a couple weeks ago Albert Pujols was still playing his career spanned a long time so if you're going to grandfather that in you have to know that there's a chance that this this could stretch out a while so if you're Pujols yeah. it's possible that maybe you just forgot and then like i said in the process of making that exchange for Maldonado you just forget Maldonado uses the bats the words get the words get back to the league that he's using a bat that they've identified as something that can no longer be used. And that's how the story comes, comes to light. I would, I would hate to think that there was some sort of previous prior knowledge on pools. part, I, I would just Eh, like to think that he just forgot because that it seems like such a trivial thing. And again, that's to me. That's why it's a non-story.
1: Only reason this is a story is because it's the Astros That's it. That's the only reason we're talking about it. It's the only reason. Um, I'm still standing by my, my stance. Balls were juiced for Albert Pujols. Absolutely. We already talked about how they were specifically marked baseballs so they could be authenticated once he got into the crowd. Balls were juiced. His bat, whatever. Doesn't matter.
0: Doesn't matter. Non story. Uh, all right, that about that about wraps it up. Um, it's split going back to Philly. Whether or not Philly can take three straight and prevent having to come back to Houston, that's yet to be seen. But as you mentioned, Citizens Bank is 5-0 and this postseason, so uh, they know what they're doing up there in Philly. Um. No need to we we've already made our predictions. We I think we're both in agreement Both at
1: six. Philly and six. Which means Astros will take one in this series. Yeah, which is – in this uh, in this homestand Yeah. For the Phillies.
0: Yep. And we both said they'd split in Houston, so they mm-hmm. Houston's gonna take one in Philly. Uh um, like I'm gonna need that inside the Parker from from Segura. I'm gonna need that. But other than that, I'm just gonna I'm gonna sit back and enjoy. We got sit some back. sit back and enjoy. We got some good baseball coming up. Um, yeah. is there anything else you got? No, not really. We'll see you guys Thursday. Uh, because it will line up perfectly. It'll line up on our normal recording day. Uh travel day is Thursday. Uh if Philly was to close it out over these next three games, over Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. We will have a World Series recap coming to you on Thursday. But if they send it back to Houston, we'll have we'll have it available for you on the travel day. And uh, we'll be able to get you prepped for the uh, potential finale, whether it be game six or possibly seven. We'll see how these next few games play out. But other than that. Either way,
1: we're there for you. What else is new?
0: We'll be there for you. We've been there for you yeah. this whole way. We'll be there for you till the end.
1: Yeah, I love it. You know the drill. Don't go chasing curveballs.
0: We love you all, and as always, looking forward to talking more baseball with you guys soon. Until next time, stay filthy.